the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin filling in for the great Andrea Kay. This is the Andrea Kay Show right here on AM 1170 San Diego and FM 96.1 North County. Great to be with you tonight. I love sitting in for Andrea Kay because she's got great listeners. I liked it even better doing uh, shows with her and working with her, uh, but it's fun to uh, fill in for her. And she will be back very soon. As you all know, she's uh, away for the better part of this week, and she'll be back. And I talked to her. Actually, I didn't talk to her. I texted her, which I guess now nowadays counts as talking to someone uh, over the weekend and she's doing great so don't forget to follow her at andrea k show at andrea k show and phone calls to call into the program 888-344-1170 888-344-1170 again it's ed martin filling in for andrea k tonight we've got some great guests lined up i'll be uh, pleased to do that introduce uh, some great folks to our, our andrea k show listeners uh, in particular i, I have a guest a uh, katherine engelbrecht katherine Engelbrecht is the founder of TrueTheVote.org, TrueTheVote.org, and an organization that fights to keep people... keep the integrity of our elections. I think Catherine's been on the Andrea K show in the past. Great friend of mine with one, just about one week to go a little bit more than one week talking about how to keep the elections safe, what you can do. It's not too late. Let me tell you that first. It's not too late. And we'll also talk with a friend of mine from Pennsylvania who was at one of the rallies with the president earlier today, uh, Stan Casasio. He's one of the leaders of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles in uh, the organization in Pennsylvania, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles of Pennsylvania. And of course, I'm Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. My day job is that I run the Phyllis Schlafly organizations. Uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, great conservative leader, uh, was a friend of mine and I worked with her for the last years of her life. And now I now run her organization organizations. It's a great privilege. We are a pro-life, pro-family, pro-America nonprofit organization that works across the country to make sure that people understand how to make those pro-life pro-family, uh, uh, pro-America policies a part of uh, their um, local legislatures, their state legislatures, and of course the federal government also. And so there you have it. I do also serve on a couple of the uh, Donald Trump campaign committees, the pro-life committee for the Trump campaign, as well as Catholics for uh, uh, Catholics for President Trump. So I'm proud to do that. And I'm the New York Times best-selling author of The Conservative Case for Trump, as well as uh, I think it's eight other books I've either edited or written uh, in the last few uh, few years, a couple of them on Trump. 
and many of them, the Phyllis Schlafly, uh, her works, which we've been publishing. So, all right, let me get to you. I bring my, I start out my program. I know Andrea does it different ways. I start out my program, uh, and of course, I, on the answer, San Diego here, I am the host of the Pro America Report, Ed Martin's Pro America Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com also to sign up for my daily email, which goes out at 5 a.m. Pacific time each show weekday morning. Uh, but I start out my program, and I know Andrea gave me the freedom to uh, start out hers the way I thought worked best. I start out my program by talking about what you need to know, what you need to know. And today's what you need to know is just moments ago and just moments from now. I can't be sure of the moments from now. I know moments ago, Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court. It's an extraordinary victory for President Trump for Senator Mitch McConnell, for the Senate Republicans. And I know my old friend, Andrea Kay, she doesn't always agree with the Senate Republicans. She doesn't always agree with anybody. She, 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 doesn't, she doesn't often agree with everybody for too long. She holds everybody accountable, and I like that. But in this case, I have to say kudos, praise, thank you to Mitch McConnell for pulling this off. And in this first term of President Trump, just under four years, it's really three and a half, but if you do the math, maybe three and three quarters years in office, President Trump has three Supreme Court justices confirmed. He has hundreds of lower court judges. It's an extraordinary success. And let me tell you one quick story about this. On March 11th, 2016, I sat in a little tiny dressing room in the Peabody Opera House in downtown St. Louis, and it was me. The late Phyllis Schlafly, at the time she wasn't late, Phyllis Schlafly, and Donald Trump. He was running for office. The Missouri primary was just a few days later on the next Tuesday. This was a Friday, Friday, March 11th. And both Phyllis and I, at the time I was, uh, I just had, had left my tenure as chairman of the Missouri Republican Party. But I so I had in Missouri, I had a big profile. Phyllis and I were going to endorse President Trump. And we sat in a room for about 20 minutes and Phyllis talked to President Trump, then candidate Trump. I mostly sat there and listened about judges. And she said, you know, I really revered Scalia, Justice Scalia. She said, I have such admiration for Justice Thomas. I really think you should appoint judges in their mold. And, and uh, Donald Trump said, I will. And then um, they went on, the discussion went on, and Phyllis said, I worked my whole life. I'm 92 years old now. I've worked my whole life to make the Republican Party platform conservative. Would you help me continue that process? Keep it conservative. He said, I will. Now, I just got to tell you, at this point, when we're talking about um, the uh, uh, talking about the um, reality all these years later, of whether President Trump has kept his promise on those issues, it couldn't be more stark. When Donald Trump said to Joe Biden, you talk like a politician, you're why I won. It, it couldn't be clearer because most people don't just don't do what they say they're going to do when they win. And Donald Trump did. And it's extraordinary. So now here's my point on this is that um, we are now uh, watching that it's a huge success. But also what you need to know is the campaigns are at that point where almost anything you can do is it's only going to work in the direction of your campaign. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not very clear. I mean to say at a certain point in campaigns, if you ever run for office, uh, especially a big office like a con congressional race, which I ran for Congress, so did Phyllis um, or something or, or, or a big race where a statewide race, you start to you get to a certain point where a lot of what you've planned to do is just going to happen and you can't really control or change it up much at the end. And what you start to realize is the the momentum and the direction you're going in is what's going to be what's happening. Happening. 
And right now, I don't think there's anybody in the country who's watching what's happening, who cannot see the simple fact that the direction of the of the races is a Trump surge and a Biden fight, a Biden, excuse me, a Biden fade. Trafalgar put out some polling. It's one of the polling groups yesterday or maybe could have been Sunday, Sunday, I guess, yesterday. And uh, Arizona Trump's up by two or three. Michigan Trump's up by two or three. Uh, let me get them right for you. Uh, Michigan, yeah, Michigan Trump's up by two. Florida Trump's up by two. Arizona Trump's up by three. That's the momentum. That's the polls. I told you the polls would close, and I expected them to close, and they are. But also then you look out and you say, what happened over the weekend? Trump, I think, did seven rallies in four states. There were spontaneous Trump truck trains, you know, popping up, truck uh, parades, one in New Jersey near where I grew up, one in Massachusetts where my brother and his family live, which is unheard of. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. It's all Democrats. And what I'm telling you is over and over and over again, if you start to look closely at what's happening, you start to say one side has the momentum and one side has what? I don't know what to say. They have a they certainly have a there's a vocal following of people that don't like Trump, anti-Trump voters, bunch of Democrats. But on the other side, I think you're going to see record turnout in African-Americans, Hispanic Americans, Indian Americans. President Trump hasn't spent a lot of time targeting by hyphenating, but he has spent a lot of time making people feel like he's on their side. And I have to tell you, when you hear like when you hear Andrea Kay, it's Ed Martin, by the way, filling in on the Andrea Kay show here and happy to take your phone calls or visit with you. Don't forget at the number 888-344-1170, 888-344-1170. Also at Andrea Kay show on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. Uh, but when you hear people talk about the details of what's happening in a campaign, three million doors knocked last week by the Trump campaign. People knocking on doors for the Trump campaign, three million doors hit Biden campaign zero. You see you hear rallies after rallies, voter registration in Pennsylvania for Republicans, more than Democrats, early voting in, in Florida, surging with Republicans in Republican counties. My point here is back to my description that you're going to see people who don't usually vote a Republican think this president is on their side. And the only wrinkle in this that may give us some lack of clarity on Election Day is I believe some Republican incumbents will experience a tough slog because I think any uh, uh, anybody in public life right now, anybody in office, incumbents are part of the swamp. They look up and they see Biden as part of the swamp. Now, he's not in office now, but he looks like the swamp. They look up and see Senator Peters of Michigan. He looks like he's in the swamp. They look up and see uh, Senator Shaheen in New Hampshire looks like the swamp. Those are Democrats. But then they also look up and they say, oh, McSally in Arizona, she's in office. Is she part of the swamp? You know, they look up and they see some of these people and they say, oh, man, you're part of the swamp. Drain the swamp is even more powerful now than it's been before. And what you need to know is the Biden fade is because people know he's in the swamp. They recognize the swamp monster for what he is. And that's where it's going. All right, it's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay. I've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a lot more. And I told you we're going to get an update from Pennsylvania live on the ground. And we will also talk with Catherine Engelbrecht to figure out how to protect our vote. So come on back. It's the Andrea Kay Show. Ed Martin filling in for her. We'll be right back.
Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin filling in for the great Andrea Kay on the Andrea Kay Show. And I have a special treat for you. Uh, we're getting live coverage from Pennsylvania. One of my great friends and one of the leaders in Pennsylvania is named Stan Casasio. He's now the head. I guess he's one of the co-heads with Ned Pfeiffer, one of our leaders of, of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, uh, Eagle Forum of Pennsylvania. Uh, Stan lives in Philadelphia, businessman, entrepreneur. He's also been a candidate for office, and he is leading folks in in, in Pennsylvania, where uh, look, it looks like, by based on everybody's attention there, that it is ground zero for the 2020 election. So he was earlier today at the rally. I can't remember now. The president did three rallies in Pennsylvania. So, Stan, first of all, welcome. And which rally were you at? I was at the one in uh, Lancaster Airport, uh, right outside of Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Hustling, bustling Lewis. That's the center of uh, Lancaster County with the Amish and everything. And they had a huge Amish crowd there today with the hats dressed up and they're cheering Amish for Trump, Amish for Trump. It was crazy. It was crazy. I, I actually, so, I, uh, I actually saw that on T. I, I saw that on TV, Stan. And we're talking with Stan Casasio. And I, I said to myself, um, could they place him behind the stage? And I thought, you know, how, how does this happen? I mean, you know, only in America there. And I know, I know one thing: <laughs> the Amish, the Amish feel very strongly about religious liberty. They don't want to be imposed upon. So I'm sure when they hear Joe Biden talk about more lockdowns and more shutting schools and more, you know, mandatory vaccinations, it gets them nervous. So I, I, I can imagine, but. Tell me about the energy, Stan. You've been in politics. You've helped candidates run. You've run yourself. You've been around the game. What's the energy like at a Trump rally, uh, you know, today, uh, a week and a day before the election? Uh, I, I got to tell you, there was so much excitement. And, and here's the thing about Trump. Everybody's so nice to each other. It, it's just unbelievable. You know, you bump into someone, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, and people are just great. They're so energized. It's nothing that I've ever seen before other than, you know, in 2016 when Trump had the rallies. But these are even more than they were in 2016. The place was packed. Mm. It was really packed. And as soon as he jumped out, um, the fade went nuts there. I, I think But the key to the whole thing was the Trump YMCA dance at the end. That is what everybody. <laughs> when he started is that right? The he, YMCA, he did, the little, he the did little it again? Yeah, he did yeah, it again. He does it, he, he, Everybody was uh. cheering him on. And every, in fact, we were all doing it in our aisle. <laughs> That's a new dance for me and Diane now. Is the Trump stuff <laughs> the Trump hustle. We, we're practicing in front of mirrors. But well, no, I got to be honest. Great, I'm, I'm, I, he made some great points. He made some great points I, during the rally. Go ahead, Ed. Sorry. Yeah, tell me about it. Tell me, no, no, tell me about it. Tell me well, about it. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, keep well, going. Well, you know, you know he, there are certain things he does throughout these rallies. But each time, and I don't know of any other candidate that can rift as well as the president can, but when he does it, it's like you're in his living room talking to him and personally getting affected by, you know, what he's doing, what he's trying to accomplish, uh, and then how they're trying to go after him. So uh, especially when he when he runs that tape of Joe Biden, you know, just lying <laughs> his teeth off, it's it's just, right. well, what do you want from a 47-year politician who's, who's you know, yeah. been playing the game for 47 years? Yeah, it is. It is. Let me let me go on. Let me go. Let me go on record. We're talking with Stan Casasio, one of the leaders of the Republican Party. Well, the Trump movement in uh, Pennsylvania and works with me and our Phyllis Life Eagles. But let me go on the record, Stan. I'm happy to have your wife dance. I'm not as happy to have you dance. I think we just want to maybe draw a line here and see if we can stick with there's. I'm, I'm sorry. There are gender. There are differences in uh, in in gender and sex. And I, I just don't I don't know. But anyway, let me put that aside. All right. But uh, Stan, you had a heck of a 24 hour period yesterday. 
at your home outside of Philadelphia. You had uh, hundreds of people gathered. Tell me about that. And, and you know, is a different Trump who came to your home and, and walk us through how, what that was like. Well, first off, you know, uh, you know, Biden can get like maybe 30 people. Even Tiffany Trump can get 150, 200 people. It's the most amazing thing. And she was really great. But, you know, what they talked about, because it was both a combination of uh, Phyllis Schlafly Eagle Forum Group and and a Republican Jewish coalition. And one of the things that was said there, which is really interesting, I think the key point of everything, he said, you know, uh, there are uh, anti-Semites in the left and on the right. But it is only the Democratic Party that elects them. And then you start talking about AOC, Ilian Omar. You talk about some of these other mm. people that have been with, with Farrakhan, these anti-Semitic people. And these are the people in the Democratic Party. And that really should send chills up everybody's spine when you realize the Democratic Party is the party that elects these anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, anti-any kind of religion at all, anti-God. And I, and I think that was one of the big things that came out. And the people really, really took that to heart in the communication. And, and Tiffany was absolutely great. Tremendous, we, tremendous asset for a father. Really tremendous. Wonderful. wonderful we, uh, and, let, and let me let me state it more uh, clearly for our listeners who may be tuning in, because uh, we're talking with Stan Casasio, one of our Pennsylvania leaders, and he hosted Tiffany Trump, who, uh, you know, I, I talked to one of the attendees at your event. Uh, he called me and he said, you know, she's a graduate of Georgetown Law School. She's uh, she moved in and out of the issues and all this stuff. And and as you said, she got a, a, a great got uh, uh, a great crowd and made a great impression. You know, I tell people all the time, um, you can tell a lot about somebody by the things they do the businesses they build, and their families, right? And it, it, sometimes people have families where there's a rough go and kids have up and down. I don't judge it. But when you see kids that are impressive, they love their father, and they have a lot of positive to say, it, it makes an impression. It sure does. I mean, I think that you'd agree, right, Stan? Yeah. You're right. I know you have a couple of kids. I have three older children. I also have five grandkids. Uh, but I, I must tell you, his kids are, are wonderful they're all just class acts, and you don't expect anything uh-huh. different from that. Uh, so there's a lot of yeah. respect there uh, for their for their father. But you know, it, you know, the the other thing that that's really important. And I had some conversations with a number of business people there, and uh, there, there's a one Biden sign down the street. And I know these people. You know my neighbor. They've been at the house <laughs> yeah. many times, yeah. uh, watching Diane dance on the in the, yeah. in the foyer at some <laughs> of our parties, and she does do a better job yeah. than I do. Uh, yes, she does. Uh, yes, she but does. they were asking me, how does this person who's fairly wealthy want to vote for Biden? I said, well, the man just likes paying taxes, I guess, you know. And, and they said, how can you be a business person and want to pay taxes with, with the fact that government doesn't create – government doesn't – it's funny. Government talks about revenues, that they generate revenues. Well, I want to tell the people out there. There's nothing that government produces other than regulations and paperwork. They don't have any products that they sell. So they don't raise revenue. They raise taxes. And taxes are an expense. So the higher your taxes are, the less value you have. That's basic economics. And I hope people realize that you get no benefits. They take your money and want to tell you where to spend it. And they pay for spending. So that was a discussion. The tax issue is huge. In Pennsylvania, that and fracking and oil, uh, I must tell you, people are just, you know, scratching their heads as how anybody in Pennsylvania could vote for anybody in the Democratic Party. 
So that, that that's that's uh, where it is. Uh, and. Uh, we're talking. We're, talk, we're talking with uh, Stan Casasio, uh, one of the leaders in Pennsylvania, the Republican Party. Uh, last last question, Stan. Though, tell me this: a week from today, it'll be the night before the election. Uh, Pennsylvania goes for Trump, and how, by how much? Tell me what your thoughts are, your prediction on next week. Well, in my prediction next week, and I've been on record of this for the last week and a half after looking at all the different polls and sensing what it was four years ago and what happened in 2018, my prediction is that the Republicans win uh, two Senate seats. We take the House back uh-huh. by 15 seats because Kathy Barnett's going to win, John Emmonson's going to win, and Dasha Pruitt's going to win uh, uh, in there. I'm figuring them in there. And not only is Trump going to take Pennsylvania— he mm-hmm. is going to win New York because the Democrats no, avoid really? the state of New York. I think wow. he wins New York because, you know, there's a lot of restaurateurs and a lot of people that work in those restaurants that aren't working that know it was Blasio and Como who destroyed that city. So that, uh, wow. and that and that state. Well, I, so I, I, have I, I, I like I like here first. I heard it. I heard it here first. Hey, Stan, one one last thing. Does Trump win Pennsylvania by three, four, five? What's your thoughts? Real quick. I just got 10 seconds. Well, yeah, I would say he wins by three to four uh, percent. Mm, okay. He's going to do All better right. than he did last time. And that's what we need to do. And by the way, I just want to let right. you know, my big Trump sign has been torn down three times already. <laughs> there you go. Don't don't mess with Stan. So All right, Stan Casasio. So much for the party love. Talk to you later, Ed. <laughs> yeah, Bye, exactly. Bye. All right, thank you, Stan Casasio, one of our great Pennsylvania leaders. Uh, we'll take a break. It's Ed Martin filling up, filling in, filling up, filling in for the great Andrea K on the Andrea K Show. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin filling in for Andrea Kay here on the Andrea Kay Show. And uh, I have the on my program, the, the Ed Martin's Pro-America Report, I've had frequently Catherine Engelbrecht. Uh, TrueTheVote.org is her organization's website, TrueTheVote.org. And I have her on because I've been worried about the elections, uh, like so many of you, for months and months and months. And Catherine Engelbrecht's her organization, when they started, was wor- focused on election integrity. You may remember um, she and the organization went through uh, the sort of prolonged um, uh, I guess it was, it was a kind of torture I, it's like the phrase I use now is law law lawfare when they use the law against people when the process is the punishment you think of General Mike Flynn as an example well Catherine Engelbrecht she was targeted by the IRS and Lois Lerner and all and it took her years and years and years to kind of get through that and quote unquote win even though you know feels like you've been kind of you know banged your head against the wall and finally they let the wall they they knock the wall down, but uh, but Catherine is not the kind of person that lets herself get down, and so she's been focused on building an organization and and TrueTheVote.org. If you go to the website, a massive number of resources, lots of uh, identifying what you should be looking for. So we're uh, you know just over a week from the election, Catherine. Welcome back to the program and to the Andrew K. listeners. How worried are you about what's coming? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I. I... I feel good. I feel like people are awake. I feel like we have people that are getting out to vote early. I feel like we are having people that are serving. But we have got to to push all the way through 
you know, November 3rd and, and beyond for as long as it takes in our respective states. So I'm feeling good, but I'm not letting my guard down. You know, um, let me a- ask you, we're talking, again, Catherine Engelbrecht, truthevote.org. Um, I have this funny feeling that so many people were scared by coronavirus and beaten over the head by the idea of absentee balloting, mail-in balloting, or, or early uh, voting. I have a feeling that Election Day is going to look different than we have had. In other words, we may end up with record turnout this election, except it will be, you know, 30 or 40 percent of it will have been not on Election Day. Do you have that sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. People are getting out and, and voting early and or mailing in their ballots. Um, I, I tell you what, what's trending with us right now is, is how can we change our vote? I think of the last few weeks, we've had uh, a lot of things uh, change in the political landscape. And people are now maybe having a little, if they've maybe voted for Biden, a little buyer's regret. And they are wondering in which states they can change their vote and how to do that, which has been something I hadn't anticipated hearing. But uh, in any event, uh, we are we believe that, um, you know, we're going to we're going to see record. We're going to see historic turnouts across this country. Well, okay, but now now you got me distracted because you can't do that to a guy with ADD (laughs) like me. Um, Now, what 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 can you do? Do states let you change your early vote or your mail in vote or your absentee? If you if you voted for Biden and you think, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Do, Do many states allow you to change your vote? Um, a, a few of them do. Um, uh, states like, um, oh my gosh, let me put on the spot here, Arkansas, Connecticut, uh, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Uh, there's a process, and you can go to, on truthvote.org, you can go to your Call Your County page on our website, put in your county name, and um, call your county and ask if that applies to you. Uh, for the process, look, it's not going to be easy because you've got to be very diligent about making sure that, you know, one ballot is canceled and, and another one is is created so that you can uh, recast that vote. But there is a process. And th- this is I've been doing this 10 years. This is the first time I've seen this kind of a bump in that question. Hmm. Very interesting. That's interesting. You know, yeah, that's interesting. You know, OK, um, is uh, so now back to the big problem. If everybody's voting early, it, it, you know, or not. Let me start again. Let me ask us get control here. It's Ed Martin. We're, I'm filling in for Andrea Kay. It's the Andrea Kay show. We're talking with Catherine Engelbrecht, who's true the vote dot org, the founder and, and runs it. Um, if a lot of people are voting early, either in mail in absentee or early voting, um, what is the problems how do the problems change? Do you do you think that we have to have um, uh, more attention on where they're counting? And I, I don't even know, Catherine, what is the answer to that? In, in, in jurisdictions, when are they counting those early votes? When are they counting the absentees? Do they count on that day after the polls close? Well, how is this going to work for most places? In most states, they cannot begin the count of the mail either either unsolicited mail or absentee mail, regardless, some paper ballot, in most instances uh, that, have been, that has been mailed, uh, in most instances they cannot start that count until election, until the close of the polls on election day. And then, depending upon the state, uh, you can throw in, uh, you know, some, some, you know, th- th- there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, new law that's been created, new process that's been created by allowing states, like for example Pennsylvania, out of a, a lawsuit that um, happened just last week, I think. Now Pennsylvania, you can vote uh, three days past 
election day, uh, you can send your mail ballot in with no postmark standard, no signature standard, three days past the day of the election. And, and Pennsylvania is not the only one. There's North Carolina. There's, uh, I think, Iowa. I don't want to get myself too far out on a limb. But there's a handful of states where you're uh, still able to cast your ballot post-election day. In any event, mm. once the polls close on election day, that's when, in most states, the count is going to start. And some states are now in the process of, you know, uh, separating the uh, the various pieces and parts of a ballot. You've got a security envelope and an outer envelope in the ballot itself, and a multi-page ballot adds to the complexity of it all. And so they're, in most states, they're in, they're in the throes right now of separating those documents so that the count can go more quickly. But mm-hmm. the the volume of mail is something that that the country's never seen. Uh, and that is why we should anticipate that it's going to take a long time, uh, I say a long time, relatively speaking, weeks in some instances to get all these ballots counted. Uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, truthevote.org. Um, so if in my jurisdiction I wake up uh, or I come home on the, th- the 3rd of November and the news reports that there are record numbers of, of uh, early voting and, and whatever, and so the, the next day the clerk is going to convene, begin that because they had to get all the machines in or whatever, is there, is there a process for citizens or campaigns to participate in the count? So can you raise your hand and say, I want to come down and stand in the room and be an observer, uh, or, or can the campaigns do that? Is that what happens? Or, I mean, it's not going to go through the night on, on I mean, if they can get the whole thing done, they might go to till 2 in the morning to be done. But they may say, hey, this is going to take four days. Let's come back at 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning and start. Is there a way to add uh, uh, eyes and attention on that? Um, you know, uh, yet again, it's, it's every every state and, and, and counties handle these processes differently. And, and the one the one broad constant uh, this cycle is that nobody had the infrastructure ready to absorb this kind of uptick in paper. So what's what's been happening is counties are scrambling to recruit more volunteers uh, in, in in most of these cases with signature verifications you're you're working directly for the county um, but they the, the focus is or the, the the goal is to have parity of party at the polls so you have um, p- people of both parties that are working to compare signatures or to compare postmark standards or just broadly to compare the overall validity of the ballot what you can do is again call your county and, and ask if you can serve, or if you can't get through to anybody there, call your party or call a candidate. If you can't serve on the actual um, review board or central count board that or committee that is actually managing the the review of these ballots, right. uh, and often and oftentimes you can serve just as an observer, just as a watcher, and there's tremendous value in that so also say there's still a lot of ways that you can be a service and we are encouraging everyone don't don't let the sun go down tonight without you picking up the phone and calling to see how you can serve uh there's a place for everybody and if you can't find a place in the polls then just continue to support and pray and and be fully mentally engaged because just voting this year isn't enough we all need to be as engaged as we can in helping this process along. 
Um, we're talking with Catherine Engelbrecht, TrueTheVote.org. Uh, that's the thing I told our listeners, and it's Ed Martin filling in here on the Andrea K. Show. I was telling everybody earlier that it's not too late. It's very important to hear this. If somebody says, oh, well, it's too late for me to sign up with the county or for my town or whatever, that's true. Uh, maybe. That might be true. But what's maybe. not true maybe. is... Maybe it may be right, but and you should ask. But it, but certainly, what is really, really common and would be very strange if the law didn't allow it, and I think it probably does everywhere, is that if you go to a candidate or the party and say, "I want to be a poll watcher," which means you're there as one of the Republicans or whatever. You know, if there was another party that had any sense, you could, but I can't imagine that. But anyway, and you you're there, and so that's not too late, right? So people should, you know, not think, "Oh well, I waited till a week before." You can. St- still be valuable and it's really important absolutely the case absolutely the case and who knows what you know the other side of the third may bring there may be recounts uh there may be new needs so plug in now and just serve where you can but just own the process i mean this is not none of us are truly just spectators if you're a voter you're in this you've got some skin in the game so make the call make the connection and be a part of this. Be a part. This is going to be one of those times that we're going to look back and go, where were you for the 2020 election? You know, yep, exactly. create, create that yeah. story for yourself. <laughs> is the, um, is the, uh, we're, again, we're talking with Catherine Engelbrecht is, um, is the, uh, uh, are there places where you worry more? Are you getting calls, Catherine, where you're like, Oh my gosh, I got to tell you, Pennsylvania is going to be really, they don't really have a grip or, um, you know, California. What's, what is your top three that are really, really tough? Well, I mean, California is its own uh, interesting situation because broadly it's not considered quote unquote battleground, but the people that live in California, it sure is. And they have definite problems with their, with their voter registry and with their process. And now that they've gone all male this cycle, uh, you know, it's, it's very much, uh, of concern. Uh, then you have the, the, the more uh, commonly reviewed uh, uh, battleground states that have had so many changes to their election law. Uh, Wisconsin is still uh, have a, has a case pending uh, in the Supreme Court where they have been, uh, the, the Democrat Party is pushing to count ballots up to six days after the election. Uh, Pennsylvania has had so many changes that, that that's, a, that's a troubling spot. Uh, Michigan um, you know they're they're already preparing uh, for you know for the the possibility of recounts. Uh, these are these are uh, these are going to be very very complicated um, processes that uh, are made more so by you know the the conditions created around COVID and all of the paper ballots and all of the law changes. So uh, it there's a, there's a lot to be watchful for. It it sure is. Uh, if I, I told you, if I focus too much on it, I get I get uh, too worried. So I'm I'm not going to. I'm just going to tell people go to <laughs> truethevote.org and Catherine Engelbrecht. There's lots of videos there. There's lots of teaching aids. You can find out more. And if you have questions, you can shoot through their contact and uh, and get to her. Thank you, Catherine, for all the information and keep us uh, in the loop. And we'll talk. I'm sure before the election. Absolutely, Ed. Keep it up. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right, Catherine Engelbrecht, truethevote.org, and uh, we'll take a break and come back. It's Ed Martin. I'm filling in for the great Andrea Kay right here on the Andrea Kay Show. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here filling in for Andrea Kay on the Andrea Kay Show. And, uh, 
Do not worry. She's got a few more days. There's uh, some of us filling in, but she'll be back. She's doing great. I mentioned over the uh, weekend I was texting with her and uh, very uh, encouraged, as always. She's she's fired up for this uh, election. So, um, you know, and I will remind you uh, that Catherine Engelbrecht, who was with us just a few moments ago, um, she is available as truethevote.org, truethevote.org. Very good uh, website for checking out kind of what to do, what kind of resources. There's some key phone numbers there uh, and she's got a bunch of videos they're doing almost a video a day I think they might be doing a video a day um, so go there and check that out truethevote.org with Catherine Engelbrecht very helpful resource down the stretch I might have you might have heard me say to her um, uh, that uh, I am myself am a poll worker so I you know a few months ago when President Trump tweeted work at polls I said to myself well I in St. Louis where I lived for many years I actually was the chairman of the board of elections so I ran the elections along with a bipartisan board so I, it's been a long time since I went sort of back down to the front lines and signed up to be a poll worker but I did it and I live now in the Commonwealth of Virginia and on election day I will spend 5 a.m. in the morning until 9 9 p.m. at night as one of the poll workers, not a, not a watcher for a candidate or a, a, a um, party, but one of the workers working for the county. And I got trained and did all that stuff. And so we'll be inside there. I, you know, I have a prediction. And some of my friends, we've been sort of talk, banting back, bandying back and forth about whether they think I'll be right. My prediction is all this attention on early voting plus absentee balloting plus just general coronavirus, which makes some people nervous, is makes it likely, in my mind, that Election Day itself is very calm. In other words, the volume will be down and the intensity will be down. And frankly, the opportunity to cheat will be much lower at an election day. You know, when you have an election day when there's everybody's voting on that day and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people jamming into areas, you know, Philadelphia, you can picture the line, St. Louis. It, it's You say to yourself, well, are they going to keep open the polls? Are they not checking the poll books? When it's quieter, and I think it will be, I, I just I just think the volume, if you look across the country, the volume of people that are voting early in one form or another, either by absentee balloting, mail-in balloting, or even these early voting stations that are occurring in a lot of places, I just think the day of is going to be a lot quieter. So that's probably a good thing, although, you know, the reality is going to be uh, who's counting, right? Who's counting and when? And uh, don't forget, it's going to come down to a handful of states that will be waiting to hear how they go. Right. I mean, my own opinion is if you look at the uh, polling I was talking to you about earlier, uh, you know, Trafalgar is the poll that the White House uses a lot. Um, and I th- it tends to be the more more reliable. Um, it is, you know, it, President Trump may well win in a place like um, like Florida with such a margin that if you knew the count, you'd be able to call it. But with tens of millions of people across the country voting, um, voting um uh early you know you can delay the count you can delay the um you can delay the the ability to report on it uh for quite a while so we'll see it's um by the way Rasmussen you may have heard today that Rasmussen um started to do their polling and uh they have the race tightening up as i predicted i predicted predicted this very frequently for the last month or two that it would be um 
It would be tightening, 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 mostly because the pollsters want to not look like they were totally wrong because they are wrong. They have been wrong. They want to, when they know it's getting closer, they make it look uh, closer. And also because they want a horse race, so everybody pays attention. But Rasmussen is showing that um, uh, the um, the most... Um, Accurate. Their White House watch poll had Biden leading 12 points two weeks ago. It's down to three three points. Uh, excuse me. It went to three points a week ago, and now it's Trump by one. So, I mean, again, this is what I've been saying. And uh, and I, as you heard me say early in the program, it's momentum. The way that the direction a campaign is going is uh, is really what's important. All right. Um, I want to touch on a point here. I want to get on this point because one of the things I enjoy about the Andrea K show listening to her and hearing so many of her guests and folks is she's one of the ones that has understood that the economy under Trump has worked for everybody. And, you know, before COVID, the economy was working for everybody. And one of the things that the even the New York Times noticed and I tell people frequently, you should read the New York Times and Politico.com. Those are the two I read to understand how the far left, New York Times, and Politico is the establishment left, the sort of professional left, thinks about things. So the New York, even the New York Times had a lengthy piece um, Saturday. And in the piece, they talked about how Donald Trump changed the way we talk about the economy change the way we are talking about the forces in the economy. And that, that the, the two or three examples that I would point to is before Donald Trump, the establishment of both parties, say hi, Joe Biden, but and all the Republicans, but the establishment of both parties were radically pro-China. They thought we can just work with China. It won't be so bad. We'll figure out a good deal. Donald Trump dramatically changed the the language and the understanding of China. Right. That's one thing. Second thing is when it comes to immigration and immigration and the positioning of immigration, Donald Trump changed the equation. He, He really did shift it from a sort of free trade, open borders movement to something closer to. America first, right? Even when it comes to the border. So that was a huge shift. The other part of that is the other part of the uh, uh, immigration thing is he pushed hard to dramatically give us more energy options, because once you have more energy options, everything gets more possible. Everything gets uh, more possible. Is that the phrase? Yeah, everything. Everything is possible, you know, more likely if you can get energy costs down. And that's what Trump was doing with fracking and with the oil industry and opening up uh, our public lands to be able to do that. It, it's it's a it's a matter of, of um, changing how we think about what our life can be like in America, what our economy can be li- like. And let me be clear. Nobody thinks manufacturing is going to go back to the way it was in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. It's just everything's changed so much. But but he but Trump changed the way we talk about the economy, the way we relate to the economy and both parties. He dragged both parties towards that. And it's been extraordinary. And I think one of the um, realities, if you watch Biden ads, he's running anti-China ads. He's running made in America ads. I, I think that Donald Trump has single handedly shifted that debate in a way that I don't think it'll shift back. I don't think you can expect that it will shift back from that reality because politically it's too powerful. It's politically too powerful. You, you, sometimes I, I say to myself, can you imagine if we didn't have the pandemic, 
what this election would be like because we had the lowest unemployment for every group in the country. We had the fastest rising wages for low-income uh, uh, workers. They, their wages were going up in part because we were closing the uh, borders and tightening the labor market, which was effectively rising the value, raising the value of people's jobs. We were doing all that before the pandemic. And there was a sense among Americans that all of Team America, not just this group or that group, not just a union household, not just Wall Street, everybody was up and everybody's boat was lifted and it had a huge effect. That was a huge change, the psychology of that, that Donald Trump did. And, and even the New York Times noticed it was extraordinary to watch. Uh, earlier in the show, and I'll make sure to put this up on on a uh, on a graphic, uh, I'm, I referred to the fact that the New York Times also published a chart. It's extraordinary that shows where Joe Biden's fundraising is coming from. And if you look at it's not a chart, it's a map. And it's Biden's raising all his money from where? Won't surprise you. New York to Boston, L.A. to uh, San Francisco. A few other pockets. There's a pocket in Atlanta. There's a pocket in Miami. There's one pocket down in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm talking about blue. There's a pocket in uh, Colorado. But most of the money is coming from the Northeast and from California. And Trump's money, all across the country. Dotted all across the country. Not that many huge uh, swaths. A couple places down, it looks like in Texas, Houston, some places like that. But not so, not so much. Generally, just uh, a broader spread. Two Americas is what they call it. The two Americas financing the Trump and Biden campaign. That's pretty good to me. At least the New York Times is admitting what they're seeing. I think that's pretty good. All right, we got to wrap things up. I want to say thank you to Andrea Kay for letting me sit in for the Andrea Kay Show. Always a pleasure. Uh, do not forget, follow her at, at Andrea Kay Show on Twitter. Follow me at Eagle Ed Martin. Thank you to Randy for uh, running the board and keeping everything on time in this hectic time. Thanks to our special guests. And I will be back in a couple days. I'll be filling in for Andrea Kay, but uh, she'll be back soon, and she's the best. So thanks for tuning in. It's Ed Martin here on the Andrea Kay Show. We'll talk soon.